Hello, friends. This is Series 8 of Satisfied. The Series 8 podcasts enhance the God-dependent woman Bible study, covering the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last two podcasts, we looked at the gifts we receive from God as new creations in Christ. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 7 of the God-Dependent Woman Bible Study. We will learn how we can trust God's purposes for His provision to us. The words that Paul wrote regarding God's provision in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are absolutely some of the most mind-blowing verses in the Bible. And since financial provision, having enough of it or not enough of it, is a constant in our earthly lives as humans, it's appropriate that Paul spent so much time on this subject. We are quick to depend on God when we're physically suffering and need healing. We're likely to have a heart of dependence on God when we're sharing the gospel with others. But when it comes to our money, we usually keep control of that ourselves, even while we say we depend on God. This is just as true when we have plenty as when we have too little. Although when we have too little, we usually spend more time worrying about it than trusting God with what He's already given us. At the end of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus told His followers, Don't let your needs dominate your thoughts. Those words are from a sermon in which Jesus described a stark contrast between what the world does, even good people in the world, and what the lives of his followers should look like. Regarding God's provision, Jesus basically said Christians should think differently. Don't let your needs dominate your thoughts. Your heavenly Father knows them. He cares for the creatures in the natural world, so they lack nothing. He will care for you. Give yourself to the Lord first. Pursue what matters to God, His honor and His purposes more than your own. That's what it looks like to live as Christ regarding money. God's provision to us is not only for our needs, but also for us to use for His purposes. Out of my study, I believe God has four lessons for us to learn today, and they are tough ones. Lesson number one, God's provision is His to give and take away. Regard it humbly. (laughs) This is the longest lesson, and we need to learn several facts about it. Fact, everything we have comes from God. Paul reminded us about this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? There isn't anything we have that we did not receive from God. Think about it. Being in America is something I received by birth and by grant from the government. Same goes for where you were born or where you live. What we consider as advantages to function well in society and prosper through work, such as height, attractiveness, intelligence, natural talents, those are all gifts. We received them in our DNA. Yet we humans boastfully live as though we had anything to do with our genetics or privileges at all. We tend to think of ourselves proudly as the originators of our material possessions. And when they're stripped away, we resent being stripped of our rights. But the truth is this, everything we have comes from God. 
Here's another fact. What we have is not a measure of our goodness or our faith. We see a faithful believer who is struggling financially and we point fingers at her. If you were living right, you wouldn't have this problem. But that's not biblical. How God chooses to provide for you or me at any time in our lives is His sovereign choice. We are to give ourselves first to Him and trust Him with our daily needs as we do the work He gives us to do. Paul, apostle, in the will of God, working hard, doing exactly what God purposed him to do, he experienced times of hunger and need. He described those times in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 11. He should have had plenty and been well-fed, right? But he sometimes lived in want. If God saw fit that Paul would be in need sometime in his life, you can bet the rest of us might also. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul said that he learned to be content in every situation. I laugh about being content when having plenty. Of course, I can do that. Who can't? But can I be content with only pancakes daily for two years, like Elijah and the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17? Sure, if everyone else is only eating pancakes, but what if they're eating prime rib? No way. Is it possible in my American culture to be content? What about in your culture? Someone will always have more than we do. Of course, someone will always have less than we do as well. But who cares about that? Trusting God to take care of you and me in whatever manner He chooses is something we have to learn if we're going to live dependently on Christ. One of my pastors taught me this. God is in the human development business. How is God going to teach us faith if He never allows us to have needs? You see, God's method of learning is to prepare by instruction, that's knowing His Word, and then to learn by experience, that's living out what you believe about God. Christians having needs is part of God's plan. So when God removes our comforts and strips away our support, we often whine and forget to trust in His goodness. But when we cry help and give up our self-sufficiency, we actually begin to depend on God and think of Him as God Almighty, as an essential to our lives, not just an appendage. Don't let anyone deceive you by equating prosperity with your faith walk with God. Our provisions are not a measure of our goodness or our faith. Here's another fact. God determines our provision, the how, when, and why. Most of the time, God's provision is going to come through people, not miraculously appear from the sky. People design products and services to sell. They take the risk to start businesses and hire workers, including you. People buy farmers' crops, and people provide meals for someone in a time of need. God chooses how He provides for His own. We must learn to trust whatever manner He chooses. God determines our provision, the how, when, and why. Here's the last fact. It belongs to God. Hold on to it loosely. 
Back in the 1980s, God gave us the opportunity and funds to build a beautiful log home next to a Christian camp in South Dallas. A couple of years later, He restricted our provision, which forced us out of that house and moved us to a different town. Then, through an unexplainable, quirky series of events, He gave us that house back, which provided income for us for a few years until we sold it to that camp for staff housing when they asked for it. I experienced a lot of pain during that time and wondered, what are you up to, God? Didn't you give us this house? It was His to give and take away. I'm humbled now as I recall what happened and see how He accomplished at least two purposes. One, getting me to a place where I had the opportunity to develop as a minister to women far more than I would have if I had stayed in that house. And two, providing for that camp's needs through our hands. Lesson number one is this, God's provision is His to give and take away. Regard it humbly. Lesson number two, God's provision is always enough. Receive it gratefully. According to the dictionary, enough is as much as is needed or can be tolerated. I think I can tolerate quite a bit, don't you? But maybe God knows better. I've learned two things about God's enough. It is sufficient, and it can also be very creative. (laughs) So let's look at the sufficiency of God's enough. Look at what God says through Moses about this. At the end of 40 years of nomadic life in the desert with manna in the morning and quail every night for supper, no house or farm, no new shoes or clothes, Moses tells the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 2 that they lacked nothing. Later, he tells them that in their new land, with abundant water and bountiful food, they will lack nothing. With little or with lots, they lack nothing. Isn't that bizarre? What is he saying? I think it's this. When you have the Lord's provision, whatever it is, you lack nothing that you need at this time in your life. We need to rejoice at what we have instead of complaining about what we don't have. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10, about his own situation. He called himself poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. What was enough for Jesus, the God of the universe in human flesh? During his ministry, he didn't have a 10,000-square-foot house and servants to care for his needs. Yet God continually provided for him, often through women, and it was enough. Then there's the creativity of God's enough. For one Old Testament widow in 1 Kings chapter 17, she had endless pancakes, but only enough for today, with a promise for tomorrow. No 50-pound sack of flour in her pantry. She had to trust that her jars would be refilled with flour and oil for the next day's meals. For another woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, she had a bottomless pot of oil, enough for today and to sell for her future. God doesn't do the same thing for everyone. Both of those widows learned to follow God's directions even when it made no sense. Our hope is to be in our God, not in prosperity, 
current or future. Lesson number two, God's provision is always enough. Receive it gratefully. Lesson number three, God's provision is meant to be shared. Give it generously. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes about the offering being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering terrible hardship. Paul referenced the Macedonian Christians in northern Greece who had collected money for this cause. Let's see what Paul says about them in verses 2 through 5. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Extreme poverty giving generously? Oh my, that is so radical, going so against human nature. But the key to their actions is in verse 5. I like how the message translation puts it. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Don't you love that? They focused on giving themselves to God first and then gave to support the purposes of God, especially helping others in need. Their giving imitated God's generosity and compassion. Compassion is doing something to ease someone's pain, whether it's for this week or more, and most times of need lasts longer than a day. Compassion requires trusting God, not having plenty. This is totally opposite of the world's thinking, isn't it? Now there is a fine line between good stewardship of the provisions God's given today and not trusting God enough to be able to share it. The Macedonians were trusting God while sharing their meager provisions to help others. How you handle whatever provision God gives you is very telling. As someone once said, it's not what you do with a million if riches should ever be your lot, but what you are doing at present with the dollar and a quarter you've got. It's what you do with what you have. Here's the key. God's riches to us are supplied through us to meet another's needs. Those early Christians are an amazing example to all believers, including you and me, of the dynamic difference that God's grace can make in the mindset of His people when it comes to provision. They gave themselves first to the Lord, gratefully receiving and generously giving comes from the overflowing joy of knowing Jesus Christ and what He's doing in our lives. Whether you are the receiver or the giver, how you do both should be different than what the world does. As Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 and 14, we are brothers and sisters in a large family with a responsibility to care for each other. That may require some learning to live without something so we have more to give. 
So how do you determine where to give your money? Give yourself to God first, then look for His purposes to support. Start with the family of God, then whatever needs He leads you to meet. Lesson number three, God's provision is meant to be shared. Give it generously. Lesson number four, God's provision brings Him glory. Praise Him openly. Knowing women, we usually want to openly share how God creatively provided for us in a tough time. That is giving Him praise. Acknowledging that what we have, whether much or little, all comes from God is giving Him glory. Every time you tell about it, thank Him. Ask God to give you frequent opportunity to tell that story and give Him praise. Lesson number four, God's provision brings Him glory. Praise Him openly. My dear sisters, let us recognize God's provision is being supplied to us for His purposes. We are to depend on God, but is God depending on us? That's the subject of our saying to evaluate today. This one really jumped out at me when I saw it. This is what it says. God is not depending on any government. God is depending on Christians. Wow. Nothing like putting yourself on a higher level than God so that He becomes dependent on you. Really? Or setting yourself up with a huge load of guilt because you can't meet all the needs of those around you. Does God work through Christians to meet the needs of people? Yes. Is God depending on people to do His work? No. He gives us opportunity and the desire and the provision to share. We are to trust God's purposes for His provision to us. So that is a false statement. God is not depending on Christians. From our lesson today, here are some reasons why God wants us to depend on Him more than on ourselves. He initiates the grace of giving. Chapter 8, verse 1. We need Him to direct our giving according to His will. Chapter 8, verse 5. He makes us spiritually rich so we can give. Chapter 8, verse 9. He puts into our hearts concerns for us to have. Chapter 8, verse 16. We are His representatives who honor Christ so it can be trusted with money handling. Chapter 8, verse 23. God blesses us so we can give to others. Chapter 9, verse 8. God enlarges the harvest of our generosity and good works. Chapter 9, verse 10. God gives through us to meet the needs of His people. Chapter 9, verse 12. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with confidence that you can depend on Him. Then live each day as a God-dependent woman. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 8 of Satisfied.